Hello, welcome to Soul Led, a podcast dedicated to the evolution of your soul and the development of your spiritual gifts. I am Nikki Novo, your spiritual mentor, a fiery Latina, mom of three, and a lover of all things intuitive. You're here because you're meant to be here. So let's do this. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Soul Led. So excited to be here with you guys always and super excited about today's conversation and today's guest who was like many, many moons ago when I was just getting started doing readings, probably hopefully didn't receive an awful reading, Lauren, but I'm sure it wasn't like amazing. <laughs> you know, we'll see. Um, but it's so excited to have you here. We have Lauren Elizabeth Walsh, the founder of Global Sisterhood, and we're just excited to talk about everything sisterhood, divine feminine, making girlfriends, all that kind of stuff. So welcome to the show. So excited to have you here. Thank you. And your reading was not bad. A lot of things you said came to fruition. Okay. Lauren. Cause I always <laughs> like, um, I always think about, um, you know, we teach the girls how, how to do readings and everybody puts all this pressure on themselves when they first start waking up those intuitive gifts. And I'm like, don't worry. I was like so awful when I first started. And you know, now you may be like, Oh, I'm good, but it's only because of all that practice. So good to hear Lauren to hit to hear yeah. what it was. You did well. <laughs> so I'm going to read a little bit about global sisterhood. So you have a little bit of a background of what it's about. And then, you know, we'll go into Lauren's story and kind of how we can all be better sisters. <laughs> so at global sisterhood, um, they believe in holding space and healing each other and the planet through these circles. They do it through a seven week online course called circle initiation. Um, you have like different on-demand courses and I'm guessing like before 2020, I feel like you were doing things in person too. Do you do a little bit of both right now? Absolutely. When, when women can, we encourage in person. Okay. Beautiful. So, the, um, and then Lauren, what, when I, I remember doing the reading, I think it was like just kind of starting to come where you already had it and you were like working on expanding it, but I never really got like the full understanding about like what made you want to embark on that. And, um, it's been beautiful to see like the process and it's just such a good feeling to see like what you have done and how many lives you're changing. So I would love to hear like, what made you want to start it? Okay. It definitely wasn't because I wanted to be the spokesperson for sisterhood. That kind of came with an initiation for myself. Um, I was scared of women. I was scared of being judged by women, but I did feel that there was a real trauma that needed to be talked about. And I saw it and I was impacted by it and I wanted to talk about it. And it was just the trauma of mistrust betrayal, competition, comparison, the shadows of sisterhood from being put up against each other through thousands of years of patriarchal, basically indoctrination. And um, I spoke about this. I started speaking about it. And one thing led to another. And global sisterhood was magically born. It, it I know I efforted and I did things, but it felt bigger than me. It felt like it came through me. It felt like a channeling experience. And then all of a sudden here I was with this really big baby, this movement of women. This is before it was a business. It became, it was a movement at first with women who were like, yes, this is what we need. We need to rise up as leaders. We need to do it together. We need to sit in circle. We need to share our stories. This was pre me too. 
And so it was right at this moment where we weren't collectively talking about the trauma of women, but it was so thick in the air. And so women just felt the call in their hearts to be leaders in their communities and bring women together and have these deep conversations and to uplift one another. And so I, here I am, and I'm, I'm holding this space for this mission that I called out to the world to say, Hey, let's do this, but actually didn't really fully know how to embody quite yet. Mm -hmm. And I feel after almost seven years of nursing this baby and stewarding this movement, it's been birthing me. And I really do feel I have a sense of what the mission is very viscerally embodied. And as the, the more I embody it, the more potent it is. And the more we grow. Oh, beautiful. It, I totally relate because Soul Academy, which is like where we teach all the different um, programs and stuff like that. Like it is like, I always just felt like it took me for a ride, you know, like it was like, I'm going to come through you and we're going to do all these things. And like, don't worry. And I didn't even know like what I signed up for, you know, in, in a sense, yeah, I know. totally know to quit, took care of its, well, not to care, but it was like this baby that was telling me like what to do, you know, in many ways, which I'm a mother of three. So, and that's pretty much how parenting is. If you do it that way, <laughs> they're always telling you like the little souls are telling you, this is what I need. Um, but yeah, like when you first get the calling, like you don't always know what you're signing up for, which is like what sounds like happened for you. So, but um, can you tell us a little bit about um, kind of so what was like the first iteration? Like, did you think like, I'm just going to get women together and talk about these things and then kind of how did it turn into what you have today? Well, no, I never thought I was going, well, actually that's not true. I was getting women together on a smaller scale. I had been working with women for years actually. And I gathered women in circle. I never was taught what a woman's circle was. Now they're prolific. Like women know what women's circles are, they're circling. But when Global Sisterhood started, that just wasn't the case. There had been a, a sisterhood movement, a women's circle revival with the different feminist movements. And the last real big movement was in the 80s with Gather the Women. But our generation, in the, you know, since the millennium, there wasn't really circling happening. But I had this intuition, which I think every woman can have just this feeling of this is just where we're supposed to gather. This is how we're supposed to be together. And I would do these intuitive circles, not having really seen it modeled um, and loved it. And then I, again, felt that this issue needed to be talked about. And I was invited to lead a workshop at this point in my life. I was a women's leadership coach, uh, spirituality as well involved in that. And I was invited to lead a workshop uh, at this co-ed event, but they were going to bring the woman, the women were outside and the men were inside. And I it was a channeling experience. I love that we're going to, we can talk about this here because it was really that I went knowing that I was going to lead a workshop and I knew that I was going to talk about something to do with competition, comparison, jealousy, but I didn't really want to prepare. And I knew that I was going to give everybody a carnation at some points. So There's about a hundred women in the audience. I had about a hundred carnations and I just got there and I said some prayers and I just started speaking. And what came out of my mouth was, hi, my name is Lauren, and I've competed with you. I've compared myself to you. I've judged you. 
and I've mostly judged myself and I'm sorry. And then there were tears and there was all these things happening. And we ended up taking this vow and this pledge of, uh, of sisterhood. And that's what, when we got in circle and held the carnation. And what happened was when we were in circle, like I said, men were inside. There was this man who had just kind of started to meet, who looked outside to see what the magical women were doing. And he saw this shape. We saw a hundred women in a circle and was like, wow, that is powerful. There is something to that. I've never seen that before. We should do that. That should be a thing. And so he happened to think like that. He was the founder of a platform called unify.org, which they basically started flash mob meditations. Mm -hmm. So they would have hundreds of thousands of people gather in Times Square and at the Eiffel Tower and all over the world, the pyramids of Giza at the exact same moment. So he already had this visionary mentality, which I didn't have. I just wanted to connect deeply with women. And he came to me and he said, that should be done globally at the same time all around the world. And I was like, cool, you should do that. And he was like, no, I I want you to do it. And so we began a partnership for the very beginning of Global Sisterhood. So it was actually birthed through me and Patrick Cronfley. And then as it grew, it was more appropriate for me to fully step in and him to be a a support uh, energetically. Mm -hmm. Oh, very cool. I didn't know that. That's amazing. And um, it's so funny because as you're talking, your energy is all purple. Like you're, you have like all purple energy and um, you're so intuitive. Like you're, you're very psychic. So I'm sure you probably know, maybe know that like by now, but it's interesting. Yeah beginning like we need somebody else to kind of show us our our vision but definitely you're like all purple energy anyways sorry distracted um I like to I like knowing that I'm purple I, I like I liked I, I'm happy about this podcast I want to be here because I want to get I want to talk about the psychic stuff because I don't <laughs> always get to jam on it um but yeah everything through global sisterhood I I feel is a channeling yeah you definitely know, everything the way we create the way um, to me, it's an act. It's an, it's a channeling through what I believe is the great mother. Mm-hmm. I believe global sisterhood is here to help reinstate feminine consciousness on the earth. And the more and more I devote myself to understanding the great mother and praying to the divine feminine and recognizing that she works through all of us in different ways. I feel that it is she that birthed this mission and I get to be a beautiful channel of that. And it's she who's awakening and all our facilitators and we're just all here serving her. Beautiful. That's such a good way to, you know, even um, there's always this kind of weird feeling of like having a business and also doing work that is meaningful. Um, but being able to see the energy of of what is trying to be born is like much easier to grow that business and run run that business, um, which is like the feminine way at the end of the day mm-hmm. to have these organizations. It's also challenging too, because when it was a movement, in a way, I could just give and give and give and give and give and give and give. There was no reciprocity and it felt almost easier for me to understand how to do spiritual work without reciprocity. Mm-hmm. And then I recognized, oh, this is the female wound. This is 
this is the wound we give and give and give. And we, we don't recognize that the feminine arts, women's work can be valued. We need to actually put value to women's work, which is the psychic work, which is the mystical work, which is the family work. It's the emotional social work. And when I really started feeling like the great mother was teaching me that, then I got inspired to to think about entrepreneurship and what that could look like. And at first I modeled it after men, mm-hmm. the way but- that it has been done and just found myself sick, found myself disenchanted, found the mission and the energy uh, that's so beautiful and alive in it shut down. And it's been a process because it hasn't been modeled how to have uh, a feminine economy and how to have a, you know, a, a real beautiful, spiritually infused, intentional business that's actually a surviving, thriving business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're on the same boat at Soul Academy. I'm always, you know, there's always that part of you that's like, wait, like who can I look around? Who's like done this before? Or, you know, you're always kind of looking for somewhat of a model, you know, business has been done for years and years, but not in a feminine way. And for me, um, the most recent lessons, like over this last few years has been like in leadership, like in feminine leadership within the company. Um, so like, what does it look like as we train all these like, um, soul mentors who are, I guess in your terms, like your facilitators or like our facilitators and like, what does it mean to lead them? Uh, thinking about like making a company where everybody is, um, getting paid well and everybody's getting something out of it. Um, even like we had Danica, who's the president of the company. She went, she got married this year. And, you know, my questions were like, okay, like how would I want to run a business where like, she can have that initiation and feel like, feel completely held. Like there is no such thing as like wedding, you know, leave, but we tried to set that up for her and like for her to be paid during that process and give her uh-huh. enough time. And, um, it's just like, it hasn't been done. And if you would tell a guy, like when I would tell my husband, like I'm doing these things in this company, you're, he's like, you're doing what you're paying people to get married. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I am. <laughs> Right. Because if you come from that traditional business lens, it's, I've heard men argue with me, well, that's just irresponsible for the company. And I completely beg to differ. You, you give to your employees, you give to your team and they exponentially give back. Yeah. And it's also, you know, it's that kind of tribe mentality of, um, you know, like, you know, it takes a village, right. To grow a child. So it does take Mm -hmm. a village of people who are, um, who are in it for the the movement, all that kind of stuff in order to make something like this grow. And it's such an experiment. Like it's such an experiment. It hasn't um, been done yet, you know? So it's, I, I totally, I, I totally understand. And uh, I guess we should probably talk more off, off camera too. Uh, so yeah, well, I would love that. For women who don't know what um, circling is or um, even like what sisterhood is like, do you have any definitions or, you know, kind of anything that we can look out for? Yeah, I might go way back. I'm going to go way back on this one. So we'll start with, we'll start with pre-patriarchal times. (laughs) So way back, we're going 4,000 years back pre the story of Adam and Eve, where Eve was blamed for the fall of humanity We worshiped the goddess and we understood her as nature. We understood her as the earth. We understood her as also the cosmos. And we understood that we are intrinsically a part of 
her. And she had a masculine counterpart. So there was a masculine and feminine divinity. And we recognize that we are intrinsically apart. There was this, not a, this idea of separation and through various speculation of different things that took place, um, Anne Baring, who is an incredible teacher, she, she speculates that this change in consciousness took with, came with a few massive cataclysms that took place, two great floods that took place where this lack of trust in the mother, the lack of trust in nature um, began. And this need for this, this uh, different type of cosmology, a different type of Godhead where God was above and beyond and we could, uh, it was male and we could ascend to become like that and conquer nature, therefore conquer the feminine. And this was the rise of patriarchal thinking within the human psyche. And so before this happened, women circled, women were wisdom keepers. We were uh, really deeply respected for our psychic gifts, for our intuition, for our empathy, for the incredible, amazing gift of giving birth and bleeding. We were honored for this. Then as the rise of this new creation story took place, created by a group of priests called the Deuteronomists in seventh century BC, they took the goddess and they made her Eve and they blamed the fall of humanity on her and the serpent, which was the symbol of regeneration, this uh, cycle of life, death and rebirth became the devil. And so why this is important is our myths shape our paradigms. They shape our consciousness somewhere. If you were raised, even if you weren't raised with one of the three, you know, patriarchal religions, um, it's in our Western world. And so therefore this like idea of patriarchy, this idea of a masculine God over a feminine God, um, this skepticism of death and nature, it's embedded in the frequency of our cultures. And so with that came, you know, the inquisition and all these different things where women and the, the ones who still worshiped the goddess were literally persecuted and, and wiped out. And then we did that with through colonization of different indigenous tribes. So we've essentially conquered the goddess in our culture. And therefore we are in the place we're in, you know, thousands of years of wars, thousands of years of learning to destroy the earth, you know, so we are in a really serious, beautiful time. It's a serious time, but there's a potency that's taking place where a lot of people are reclaiming our connection with nature, our connection with the great mother. I believe it's she who's shaking us and awaking us. And that is the basis of sisterhood right there is this recognition that, oh, I am a daughter of earth. I am not measured within this patriarchal system where I have to be X, Y, Z to succeed or be lovable or be safe. I am a daughter of this earth and I am intrinsically worthy. And each woman here has access to that remembrance, this ancient remembrance. And so she is needed. She is worthy and she's my sister and there's no competition. That's an illusion. So sisterhood is really that remembrance and that reclamation. And we gather in circle as the wise women did before us to 
to process, to grieve, to feel, to take off our masks, and also to remember our gifts, our psychic gifts, our mystical connection with everything, and to empower ourselves to lead. Um, I feel like I can sit in circle and listen to your story time all the time, Lauren. (laughs) It was beautiful. Thank you for like, that was just a perfect weaving of the, the, one of the biggest untold stories of all time. And it's just, isn't it like amazing how, um, like you were saying, like, you know, you're like these priests, they came up with the story, this myth, and it's just been like in our energy ever since. Um, and it's just so fascinating to think that, um, how much like the, the physical doesn't matter. Like it's these thought forms that we come up with and how they like change the future. It's, I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's just so insane. Trippy. It's just so crazy. And to think like yeah. now, you know, there's all that talk of, you know, all these different like stories that are circling and all this different information that's like circling and, and, uh, and how dangerous, you know, some of it uh, mm-hmm. can be and like, look how long it lasts, like look where we are and look how long ago that was and how long it took to, to wake up to it. Um, and um, it's just crazy. So, sorry, did you want to say something? Yeah. This is like the edge of my fascination right now. So I kind of want to geek out on it a little bit. I'm like really fascinated with how myth shapes our psyches and how, if we're wanting to create a new myth, how challenging that can be when you're trying to up-level yourself to the next dimension of, of belief and really program yourself to believe that. But everywhere around you, some other myth is reflected, a lower dimensional, a lower frequency myth is reflected. And that's why I think movements of sisterhood are so important because through that collective field that we can share, it's easier to upgrade to a more healthy, balanced myth. Mm -hmm. And this idea that you just mentioned was really powerful because we have all of this information now through technology. It's like exponential. And we also have I heard recently we have these AI machines that now can just pump out articles so that seem scholarly and and it's just on any topic. I'm just like it's crazy and it's insane. And but I think since there's this dimension of so much information, I think there's this revolution of kind of unplugging from the matrix a little bit to to go inward actually or go to nature. So I think as it gets really, really dense in this kind of like psychic technological dimension of information, there's also a movement that just feels so like, oh, yes, to go put our feet on the earth and swim in water and remember something quiet and true. This is a maybe it's like a a funny metaphor, but it kind of reminds me of like, you know, when you're like in high school or college and you're like thinking like, all right, I'm going to. I'm going to cheat on this. Uh, I remember we took this like nutrition class, like me and my, all my friends. And we had like the test of this nutrition class from like semesters past. And we were like, yeah, we're just going to take this college course. And um, we're just going to all like, you know, follow the, you know, get the the answers from the last test and we're going to do fine. We don't need to study. There's going to be like an easy A, whatever. That was like our, our group thought around this um, class. And we were so stupid that like, we made it so obvious that at some point, like she found out that we were all cheating, but if we were just cheating, like lightly, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. 
then we wouldn't have gotten caught. But that's kind of where we are with information. It's like, you know, for a long time, it didn't seem that obvious because the information was like light and there wasn't too much of it. But now it's like just there's so much of it that everybody's like, oh, my God, like this is so obvious at some point. Like at some point you're like, dude, like we get it. You have the, you know, the test from last semester. So in a way, it's actually I was uh, channeling for. Uh, predictions for 2022. And that was like the overall theme, like kind of this theme of like, all right, like cats out of the bag, like gotcha, like type of, um, you know, almost like kind of comical to look at like all these different stories and how um, they're, they're, they're just that they're just, they're just stories. And in a way, because there's been so many, it's easier to kind of ask ourselves like, oh my gosh, like this, there has to be something wrong with this. We may not know, what story we want to, you know, or, or what we want to create. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like very obvious. And then the other thing I've been saying is that, um, you know, people if for, I've been doing intuitive work for a long time. And obviously the last three or four years, we've had like this big, this big um, curiosity in the work. And that's why we've been training so many people. And I believe it's just it's a remembering. I also believe it's, it's part of the, um, um, evolution of the species. Like, you know, I believe that like the human Mm -hmm. is just going there. Um, but also I'm always like, yeah, of course, like all this bullshit that's happening with all this information, like it's good for business because people like you can't, at this point, we've all realized that like, there's nothing better to trust than our own soul, our own spirit, the spirit of the earth. Like that is, that's, that is all worth, that is the only thing worth, connecting to and trusting, you know, trusting at this point. So even though it may feel like very frustrating to kind of hear so many of these different stories that are not true and that are just like really trying to have conquer us and take power over us. It's like, it's almost like the patriarchy has gotten uh, like lost control so much that they're just like throwing everything at the wall, you know, and it might from the outside might be like, oh my gosh, the world is ending. But on the contrary, like, I, I really do think things are getting better because we're all starting to realize that, um, oh my gosh, like this, we're totally in the Truman show. Like, what were we thinking? <laughs> I totally agree. That's one thing that I feel, even with all the craziness, I feel such hope. Mm-hmm. I feel it. I see it. I interact with it. It's beautiful. Yeah. So I think it's a great thing. So um, the way the global sisterhood works right now is, it's always, it's through like this initiation, like the seven week initiation. Is that how you decided to do it? Like, I'm sure you probably tried a lot of different things and found that that was like what works the best. Well, this is for women who want to be trained in the art of leading women's circles. Okay. So that is our, that is our main program. Yes. And we're actually launching our level two, Mm -hmm. uh, right now it's happening right now. And it, we enroll in February, but it's called sacred facilitator and circle initiation is really an initiation into embodying the mission and, and really connecting with the great mother to know how to be of service as a woman in the world. And of course you learn ritual and facilitation techniques and the art of circle and much, much more. You go through healing of shadow, healing the sisterhood, shadow wounds, the mother wound, you go through a lot of really deep processes And then we trust that those women are really able to hold the type of space that has the frequency for the type of healing that women, we believe women need. And our level two, which is coming out sacred facilitator is uh, 
double in length, more than double in length. And it's a deep dive into ritual and ceremony and being a steward of our, our rebirth in these times of transformation when we're still straddling one old system that's dying and we haven't really fully planted our foot in the new system. We're, we're having to create that. So it's a prop, it's about that process. Oh, that sounds beautiful. Um, I'm sure it's like amazing. That sounds just like a, such a great program. So the, so after the girls graduate, um, are like, what do you see them doing? Like, are they holding their own cir- circles and like, in what way, how, how are they doing it? Oh, so many different ways. Um, we're really, we're really, one of our core values is we don't want to be some type of, um, like, uh, there's so many little organizations where like that you have to do it exactly this way. You have to license the material. You have to say, you know, you have to be like part of that brand. We don't want women to feel like they have to be a part of the brand. We want women to naturally feel that they are a steward of the movement and how they want it to come through them. That is their own autonomy and that is their sacred right. And we give a lot of freedom with that. And we certify them to be a global sisterhood facilitator and they can do that. They can use that skill in their business. They can use that skill through women's circles. They can do some women do like uh, women's circles for mothers. Some people do women's circles for single mothers. Some do for women who have been abused. Some do for their community. Some do for their business. It's very, very individualized. Beautiful. Yeah. We do the same thing in, um, in soul teacher. I mean, it's amazing to see what people do with like the, you know, what you teach them. I I always see it as like, you know, this is how I make a cake. And, um, but you get to add like all the ingredients that you want and people come out with these like cool starseed cakes and these like amazing, (laughs) you know, mom and children cakes. And like, it's just the, the, it just so cute to see like how everybody kind of bakes their own thing out of like what is taught to them. So, um, is there like an organized way to join the circles or, um, to get involved with the, with the, um, movement? Is it only through the, um, the program or are there like circles popped up? We do, we do right now we are doing virtual circles. Um, we're doing virtual circles and during COVID we actually took down, we had a global map and we actually took down that global map and, we are rethinking actually how we want to create a directory and a map for people to join. So that is coming soon, but right now it is paused, but yes, there are circles all over. And if somebody wants to email us about a facilitator near them, we can easily look up that information and give that to them. Um, But we're actually upgrading the system. So that's in process. Yeah. Cause I I feel like I remember you doing like circles all around. So so I was asking. So, Lauren, any ideas of what we can look out for that will maybe tell us that we have a sister wound? Like any signs? Because I don't think, you know, like for many of us, it might not be obvious. We might not know. Um, so, you know, any ideas of like what you have seen? I think the most prevalent one is comparison. Feeling like you should mm-hmm. be like another woman or you should be where another woman is or you are not enough compared to something I think that's the most prevalent one. Um, another one is the subtle mistrust of re- really sharing what's really going on with you. Like you can't really 
share your inner feelings. You can't really be seen through a hard time. Um, and around your partner, if you are skeptical of other women around your partner, that could be a sign that you don't trust him or other women or both. Um, but mistrust, I think, is a very common one as well. And the mistrust is actually probably somewhat in the psyches of every woman because of growing up in this culture. There's like, um, there's been so much cattiness, there's been so much competition, there's been so much, again, this putting us against each other kind of energy. It's really, really subtle. And so many women have hard experiences, whether in the corporate area with other women or before when they were children. Because it starts really young. It starts really, really young. It's like this old generational trauma of being mean to other girls. When you hit puberty or a little bit before. Man, we can get really mean. I have a a 16-year-old and, man, coaching a little girl through life is not uh it's not easy and I, I wonder like I don't know if, if it's just you know us forgetting how it was but I do feel like it was harder for her than than for me it's like almost it feels like it gets it's like getting worse with time you know like yeah. um, kind of when something gets you know when something has to get worse before it can actually can get better so it was really hard yeah. to see her go through um what she went through but yeah it's not it's not easy actually she my daughter lately has been asking me like all the girls from her cheer team that they want to come over on Saturdays and like do readings I'm like oh they want to do circles like they're looking to do circles like that's what they're looking for like they're looking to have a place to um to share themselves uh, away from you know like the the very strictness of like uh, you know what what school looks like and team sports and all those kind of things it's so interesting how I was I was like oh these girls like they know what's up you know like they're looking for this place <laughs> so and they were like that, yeah. little, that weird that weird like witch mom over there like she probably can do this for us <laughs> so. I'm an aunt and I've had my my nieces come sit in circle with me as well in certain capacities her one of my nieces at age 17 all of her friends were like can you put your aunt house can you with your aunt because it's true, it's we're. I I was desperate when I was younger to have a place where I could just be real and know that I was safe. Because there's a frequency of interaction when your phones are involved in school and social, and it's just so depleting. It's not nourishing for the soul. Yeah. And so I yeah. think there's a lot of residual trauma in women, mothers today, or women who aren't yet mothers, women growing up that. I believe we can pass down to our daughters and to our sons for that matter if we actually don't really look and see really do the examination of where these this trauma is and how to integrate it and heal it and then also cultivate a new narrative by cultivating new really beautiful safe nourishing honest relationships and it's like you know and then it's funny because once you start realizing you have um the wound um, and that you're perpetuating the patriarchy yourself. Uh, there's so much shame around that. Um, 
but it's, you know, it's kind of this like sticky thing that we're all involved in. Uh, for me, my, uh, my mother is actually, and people like people that have good relationships with their mom, like don't understand this, but my mom is like deeply jealous of me. Um, she always like has been, she has like a very strong um, jealousy, jealousy situation. It started with her and her sister. And then it was like passed into like me and um, come, like extreme jealousy around like me having a relationship with my father, like all these things. And I, forever, I didn't understand it. Like I just thought that I sucked, you know, like I just kind of assumed that I wasn't like enough doing things enough, you know, that kind of stuff. And then of course, as I got into the work, I realized that you know, I, I started to feel like a lot of compassion for her and understanding like this deep wound that she had. And even though I recognized it, it did not mean that I was immune to it because then I became a mother to a girl who wasn't mine. I adopted Ali when she was four. She was my husband. She's my husband's daughter from another relationship, but came into my life at four years old and raising her ever since. And I had like this monster inside of me that like wanted to compete with her um, wanted to put my husband against her, like every once in a while, like this, like monster would want to come out. And it was, and it's, even though I had all the tools and all the awareness and like all the knowing, but it was like bigger than me in many ways. Um, the, 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 like, the, like toxicity that wanted, like I had to reel in that monster, like, and I still do till this day. Um, and really always praying that, that, she doesn't pass it on. Um, and we talk, we're, what has been like the um, healing for us is that I'm open to her about this monster that I have inside of myself. Um, it's the best that I can do. Um, and then of course, like, just not do it <laughs> like another way, but right, also right. let her know that it's like not her. Um, and that's like the best. And it seems like it has uh, you know, but, and then of course she has her own mother wound and like, I blame myself for that. Uh, mother wound but of course like it's I didn't I wasn't the one that left her um when she was young so it, it's just such a complicated it's definitely mixed in with the mother wound as well um, mm -hmm. um but I think you know like I think you know it doesn't happen overnight but I do have faith in our generation and the next generation that we will soon start to get out of this stickiness Oh, I totally have it. And I see it. I, I mean, that I get to live it. And I'm sure you do too with your community. I get to live it. I get to live it transforming. Mm -hmm. And I believe, you know, we are the birthers of the next generation. And as we do this work, we heal the generations behind and the generations ahead. So I yeah. am like a full, full, full believer that this work is some of the most important work we can do. Absolutely. And, and the, you said the internalized patriarchy and the not perpetuating the internalized patriarchy. I'm so happy you said that because it's, it's important to also free men from the patriarchy, free the men in our lives, even if they're embodying patriarchal tendencies. It's a system. It's a way of thinking. It's a paradigm. And just let them off the hook for that to some degree. Yeah. Not unless we we need to step in at times, of course, and say no and put up boundaries, of course. And we have to recognize how we as women, we're perpetuating it too. We are Definitely. also perpetuating perpetuating the, the aging thing. 
we are perpetuating our body image thing. It's not just men doing that. That's our excuse. We're doing it. Mm-hmm. Now we have to come together and have better conversations about how we're going to support each other in healthy aging and loving our bodies and not just say we're going to do it and be all sweet and then not do it. If we actually have to change the way we are interacting with the system of patriarchy if we wanted to change. Absolutely. When I, um, so I, I have two children, my oldest, a girl, I have two boys. And I always like thought I was, you know, hoping for some more girls who like, oh, I was like, I want to, you know, I want to teach like what I know through them, you know, all this ego stuff. I was like, I want like these girls to like be, all, you know, all this like projection on them. And then I was given two boys and I was like, man, what the shit? Like, I thought I was going to get some girls here. And I realized that I was like, no, like how amazing to raise like also the next generation of men, you know, like, what does that look like? Um, And my husband and I are like very dedicated to that. Um, My husband went through his own patriarchy um, dismantling uh, when it came, when it comes to work. And he, um, you know, he was just trained to be this like provider and this like racehorse basically, like at all costs, like just work and make money and provide and blah, blah, blah. And it was killing him. Um, So to, to see like, as we start to heal ourselves, we're also like giving them so much permission and it's, it's just making beautiful families and beautiful relationships. And um, it's definitely happening. And I don't, you know, again, we don't have to be perfect like around it, but, you know, doing, doing our best and realizing that it takes two to tango. (laughs) Like it's not like we are not these like victims to it. Like we were involved in it. We just, we didn't know we were involved in it. So definitely. Yeah. Cause again, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a myth. It's a cosmology. Um, question, Lauren, do you have any experience on, so talking about jealousy, um, I, since like I'm in the business of, you know, helping women also like step into their like leadership positions as like, um, you know, really as these healers and intuitives and we do it in groups there's sometimes like a feeling of there's some of the girls in the group that are going to be a little bit more like, um, you know, it's just in their nature to be more like stars in a sense. And then some of the girls, other girls are going to be like a little bit more reserved and stuff. And there's this like, you know, that jealousy sometimes of, Oh man, like she's going to be quote unquote bigger than me or whatever it is. And then the girl that is supposed to really step into that stardom and into that light, like dims down because they don't want to make anybody jealous. Um, any like idea of how can we stop caring about us making other people jealous? Like, why do we think it's our fault and how can we, um, like still be us, even knowing that maybe being us is going to cause people to be uncomfortable. So this is also a sisterhood wound. This is a huge one of mine, actually. So I'm just going to, I'm going to tell a little story and then I'm going to give actually an exercise that I think is really cool. Um, so growing up, I, there was a couple things going on. One, I was naturally big energetically, just like I was big. I had passion, I had energy and I loved attention. It was like a natural thing. I loved attention and not everybody's mm-hmm. built that way. And mm-hmm. then there was the wounding underneath that the programming underneath that so there was you know daddy issues and even securities that actually created uh some tainting like a 
like some distortion of my natural gift of being bright and big and a star. There was this painting where there was this neediness and this um, wounded aspect underneath it too. And that, my bigness plus the wound really rubbed girls the wrong way. I was super bullied. Girls really didn't like me. Um, they really didn't like me. They were, and, and it took me until I was in my late 20s to be like, oh, they were jealous of me too. Because I knew they didn't like me because of the wound. But the way I internalized the wound was I'm bad. I'm not good. And that's why I was so motivated to get validation. So I knew intuitively that there was something in me that they didn't like because I didn't like it. But then there was this other aspect of this, that I was big and, and I had a lot of energy and I, I was uh, creative and smart and all the things. You know, I had good things about me. And um, so I, I got really wrapped up in this identity of mine. And I was big, but I was deeply wounded. And then with the rejection, I just got more wounded and I just got bigger and more rebellious and more people didn't <laughs> like me. And I was just this, it was a cycle. And mm. I was one who like, you know how some people act in and they get smaller and they get quiet and they hide. I was one that acted out. So everybody saw my failings. Everybody saw my failures. It was like, spread out for everyone to see. And finally, through my spiritual awakening and my tools, I started um, really observing that part of my wound. And I went through a period of shutting down my bigness. I went through this energetic exercise of, because one thing was girls did not trust me, especially around their husbands or their boyfriends. Mm. Because mm. I loved getting eyes. Even though I didn't want to admit it, it made me uncomfortable. I loved guys checking me out. And so mm. I went through this practice in my early 20s where, you know, I just had this energetic feel where I'd walk into a grocery store, I'd walk into a room, and nobody even saw me, but they would turn their head. It was like an energetic thing I had. And, and it wasn't about the way I looked. It was literally about what I was emitting, the energy I was embodying. And so I practiced shutting that down. And so I wore an invisibility cloak. I, I literally would go into stores and go into parties and put on psychically my invisibility cloak. And it worked. It totally worked. And I learned how to not admit this energy. So I went through this phase of shutting down my life. And I did it very, very intentionally so that I could uh, work on the wound that was mm, distorting my life. And mm. so I went through a phase of studying this wound and doing it really intentionally and learning how not to perform or be big, but to be really authentic. And women circles really helped me with that. And then came a period after a significant time of shutting down my light, I noticed I've also shut down my creativity. I've also shut down my sex drive. I've also shut down a lot of this, like, this natural effervescence that is me and is what I is an essential part of my divine gift. And so then I went through the experiment of like, okay, what happens when I like come out of the closet? I like start to shine my light again. And that began the process of integrating my womb. 
that began the process of noticing when the wound would come up and be like, oh no, I'm feeling shame and being with myself and integrating the wound in a whole new way so that I could fulfill my purpose of being someone who has the honor of speaking and teaching and um, having people listen to what I have to say, which is a absolute, like, humble, great honor that I, I really wanted to make sure that I could embody and, and respect without the wounded part of me getting vain or arrogant or prideful or whatever. And so now I feel mm-hmm. like I'm more integrated and I can be big and I can also know when it's time to be small. And it's time mm-hmm. to remind myself that I am a small, 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 tiny, little speck of light in the universe of stars. And sometimes it's important for me to quiet myself and be calm for other lights to shine. And other times, because my, my wound is embodied more so, it's more integrated, when I shine my light, my light can give permission rather than mm-hmm. make someone feel small. So that Beautiful. still doesn't fully answer your question. No, it does. No, it does. It does. I think it's it's a great. Um, I, I think it's it's a great example and it's a great understanding. But yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, and then there's one more element too for the ones who are more the introverts. I want to speak to them. The ones who are the more um, quiet ones. I want to speak to how gifted they are because. I have studied this because after I was so humiliated from so much outward expression and embarrassment coming from my wounds, I've really studied the quiet, introverted, witchy, deep ones. Mm-hmm. And I find that I find these women so beautiful and so amazing. And I know that it's easy in this world to look at the people who are bright in center stage and to feel overlooked or to feel like your gift isn't there. But absolutely, to me, those women are the healers. Those women are such, um, they're just really amazing. And for whatever reason, whatever triggers them or makes them feel like they need to get smaller when they see another girl get bigger, I want to give this exercise called the light shadow. So we know about the dark shadow in Jungian psychology. We know that that's a part of ourselves that we're rejecting or we really don't want to be. The light shadow is something that we think we can't be. So it's not something we don't want to be. It's something that we would like to be, but we've just written off. Like we can't possibly be that. It's not in our nature. Other people are like that. We're not like that. Well, the argument about the light shadow is that actually the thing that makes you feel yearning, like, oh, I would love to be that, but I just could never be that, and then you feel shame, that's actually mm-hmm. a part of your essential nature that you have not yet embraced. It is an actual, real, true part of your essential nature. So you can discover what your light shadow is by thinking of three women that you really deeply admire, just random women that you really deeply admire, and then write down the collective shared attributes of these women. Maybe this woman is a spiritual teacher. Maybe this woman is, speaks in front of people. Maybe she's really embodying her sensuality. Whatever those things are that you want to be doing. And then you you change those things to I am statements and read them out loud. And the I am statement that feels the most unbelievable and hard to embody is the one that is most essential 
to your nature that you need to learn to embody. I love that. That's so good. I think that we have left us all with an exercise that I know we're all going to do. Because that was like very helpful. Lauren, thank you so much. You're just like a wealth of, I'm just so happy that you've been doing this work and that you've um, done all your own healing and everything and to be able to pass on to so many. It's, it's beautiful work. It's so needed. You're, you have so much wisdom in the space. And this is just like an episode full of gold. So thank you for sharing yourself with us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And I can't wait to have you on our podcast too. Uh, yeah, I can't wait. And um, that's going to be fun. I'm sure we can talk about like witch wounds and all that because I feel like that's another conversation eventually I would love to have with you too. Um, can you oh, yeah. share with how we can, you know, keep in touch with you or uh, we'll, we'll definitely put all the links in the show notes, guys, so you can um, check out uh, the Global Sisterhood and every, but is there anything else that you're, you know, that you're working on that we can, you know, connect with you on? Yeah, I mean, we have a beautiful training coming out for facilitators. It's specifically for facilitators, um, women who've been holding space in some capacity and it's basic facilitator. And then also you can check us out on Instagram at the Global Sisterhood. You can listen to our podcast, The Time of the Feminine. And you can join us in a virtual circle. We have a really cool event coming up, actually. Um, I don't know when this airs, but the... 11th of January, we have a free event. It's called Quantum Week, and it's about really clarifying what you want to create in 2022. Oh, I love it. And that's what's going on. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for sharing with us and all these great things. I can't wait to see what 2021 brings, and 2022, excuse me, brings you too. And um, based off our combo in the beginning, and just, um, you know, just really grateful for you. And I'm happy that our path continue to cross so thanks for being on the show thank you so much been so fun thank you so much for listening i love you guys so much if you love what you're hearing would you mind leaving a review or sharing with a friend that little review does so much it's so damn helpful you don't even know so thank you for that And if you're ready to unlock your spiritual gifts, enroll in my three-level program, Soul Academy, or join my free community, Soul Collective. I'd love to have you there. The links to join are below in this episode. Until next time, love you much.